Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This is the Hometown Roofing Pop and Pony Podcast, presented by Hometown Roofing. Put your trust in us and powered by Bowser Chevrolet. Here's Bob Pompiani from KDKA-TV and Andrew Filipponi from 93.7 The Fan. All right, welcome to another edition of uh, Pop and Pony Podcast. We are very honored to have with us today two-time champion here in Pittsburgh, a three-time Stanley Cup champion, and one of only two players, or uh, GMs, Andrew, who has won Stanley Cups with two different teams. That's I'm right. talking about Jim Rutherford. Jim, uh, good to talk to you. How are you today? I'm doing fine, thanks. How are you guys doing? We're good. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. I was still stunned when you when you resigned. I didn't see that coming, and I, I'm wondering, you've had time to think about it now. Is anything you can say about that situation and, and why it came to be? No, I'd rather just uh, keep it private. It's... Uh, um, uh, my, uh, my run in Pittsburgh was a good one. The Penguins were very good to me all through those years. And, uh, I come in quietly and, uh, just prefer to leave quietly. Well, when you do that, a lot of people were stunned, as I said, and it, it, the first thing I thought of was health. So you've ruled that out, right? Everything on that front is okay. Oh, no, I'm fine. I'm, uh, I, I feel good. Was the pandemic something that kind of wore on you, as it's done a lot of people? Because I think I find myself among those who consider themselves pandemic fatigued at this point. Did that in any way play a part of that? Well, I yeah, I think if uh, if I sat down and broke everything down, I think it's fair to say that the pandemic, uh, has, like you said, has played a part uh, in most people's lives. And... Uh, this uh, this last year has definitely been tough for my family with me being a high-risk guy. You know, we were uh, really strict in our quarantine and, and uh, you know, I have a 12-year-old son. He really didn't get to see his friends for almost a year. Um, I'm fully vaccinated now, just as of a week ago, and uh getting them back into playing hockey and getting them back Good. to school and and uh, trying to get him in a regular routine. But there, there's no question that from a mental point of view, um, this uh, this pandemic has, uh, has taken its toll, yes. How much hockey have you watched since uh, stepping away, Jim? Just as much as I always watched. I don't think I miss a game. I... Uh, I really enjoy watching the Penguins games. Um, 
I really liked the really like uh, the Penguins team this year, and uh, and then of course I stay up for the late games mm-hmm. and watch as many games as I can, try to stay in the loop, follow players, and uh, and uh, and try to enjoy it. Other than that, what's a typical day like for you right now? Uh, well, I don't know if they're all typical, <laughs> but some days, uh, some days uh, drag out. They're a little longer than others, and and other, you know, I I try to work around the house and work around the yard and, and just do a few things. But you know, until the spring or summer comes, where I can get outside more and play some golf and uh, maybe start to see more friends that that I've missed over the last year it uh you know we're kind of just easing into it but also trying to focus a little more family wise and and uh getting my son back to a regular routine andrew what you don't know is that he's a very good golfer Mm -hmm. uh and he can suck you in by you know he's he's not going to hit it as far as he wants to is it safe to say jim but yet around the greens that's where he makes his money all right he sounds like to play different tees now, Bob. That's all. <laughs> you take full advantage of that. <laughs> I mean, it, hey, what is that age, by the way? Because I'm now 60, and I'm thinking maybe I should go up there. But that I always hated to do that. Did you? Yeah, I haven't moved up at this point, and uh, we'll see when that day comes. But uh, I'm not going to be embarrassed to do it. I want to play golf to have fun. I don't want to go out and make it a day's work and hit long irons into every green. Jim's uh, just. Because I don't, I think I know you well enough to know your juices are flowing at all times when it comes to hockey. You just talked about watching these games. This is not a retirement for you, or is it? Well, time will tell. Um, it, it it certainly wasn't uh, when I stepped down for the Penguins. Um, I'm still under contract to the Penguins till the end of June. So even if I wanted to do something with another team, I, I couldn't. Um, and uh, I'm just going to see how it goes. You know, I think uh, as long as I've worked and as hard as I've worked, uh, taken a few months just to step back and evaluate everything, evaluate life, see where I'm at, see what I really want to do. But um, I'll, uh, you know, I got till uh, well. I got as long as I want. Doesn't mean even when my contract expires, with the Penguins, I have to make a decision the next day. So uh, we'll just uh, we'll see what comes along and if there's a comfort level somewhere. But I'm in a good place in my life. Mm-hmm. I uh, I'll be able to work if I want to, and if I don't want to, then I won't. So that's uh, that's a place that you work very hard to get to, and I'm at that point now. Jim, do you get a kick out of some of you said you're watching games. I don't know how much you follow, you know, what gets said around the games, but do you get a kick out of seeing things like when one of these insiders will go on a, you know, during an intermission or during a game and say, "Well, you know, the Penguins tried really hard to trade for Mark Andre Fleury and here are you now outside, you know, maybe with the remote in your hand, with your notepad, eating some <laughs> popcorn, watching the game and they're talking about you and, and you're on the outside and not the inside." anymore so i'm just very interested when you hear people bring up things you tried to do or didn't do or might have done how does jim rutherford feel or react to those things well i don't i i don't react a whole lot to a lot of things but yeah. uh 
if it's if it's something that's totally out of line, I sit there and say <laughs> say to myself, you know, I don't know where you're coming up with this, but <laughs> if they're on target, uh, you know, I give the person credit for yeah. doing their homework and and uh, and figuring some of those things out. So, uh, but you know, I being around as long as I've been, uh, I I understand how competitive the media. Uh, industry is and uh, and in some ways I, I feel for some of those guys because you get to a point sometimes and certainly through the pandemic when we weren't playing games you get to the point sometimes where you, you, you almost have to make something up you know to get people's attention and uh, but it's it's a very competitive industry we we have a good media in Pittsburgh you know they're they're good. They do, they do their work and they're knowledgeable. And, uh, so I, uh, I actually enjoy uh, following the media here. Jim, one of the things I always admired about you is your decisiveness. And I don't know if that has anything to do with the fact that you were, you've been around a long time. You've won at a high level. When you came here, a lot of people said, well, wait a minute, you're, you retired. Now you're coming back out of retirement yet. You seem to be very specific about how you wanted to make over the penguins at the time. And there were some trades that were hard to make. I'm sure. Um, can you tell us about that and when you first came here, what you wanted to do, and obviously you accomplished what you wanted to do? Well, I'll tell you something that I, I really haven't told anybody. When I got that call from David Morehouse, I, I was literally sitting on my back porch, which looks out onto a golf course, and thinking this feels pretty good. You know, <laughs> I I was... I was really, really starting to relax, and I did it a lot quicker than I have to this point here in Pittsburgh. But going through the process, which was a short one, and, and the Penguins offering me the job and everything, and getting ready to announce, going down to the announcement that day, I was in the hotel next door to PPG Arena, and uh, and I, I was I was sick to my stomach. Uh, I was uh, I was so emotional and worked up about just everything um, at that point. I knew it was the right decision. I knew what I had a chance to do by coming to Pittsburgh, and I felt strong about it. But the emotions were so high, and uh, and I I was literally sick to my stomach that morning. Mm-hmm. And then I jumped into that job. I I. I had a strong feeling on some of the things that had to be done and uh, figured out a way to do them. And, you know, we, we went on a really good run. I mean, when you, when you look at those six full years of uh, when, when I was with the Penguins, they were, they were pretty good teams and pretty competitive, had some disappointing uh, finishes uh, the last couple of years in the bubble and, the loss to the Islanders a year before, but it wasn't from lack of effort from our players. It just, we ran into hot goalies and it was just the wrong time. But with that being said, I, I think the Penguins are in a good place right now that this team, uh, this team will just get better and better and, and has a chance to contend again this year. Do you look back Jim and say that there was a move that really turned things around or if you, when you reflect on how this team was able to go from, you know, first and second round playoff disappointments to winning back-to-back cups, 
what does Jim Rutherford think was the what the move that maybe set all that in motion and triggered that great run? There wasn't one. There there was a few things. The first trade I made, which was a controversial one, which was Hornquist for Neil. Mm-hmm. Of course, Neil was a more gifted goal scorer, but when I was looking at changing the culture here, I was trying to find a player that could actually come in and, and make a difference in the room. And, and Hornquist was that guy, and he did exactly what we what we had hoped that he would do. And then, of course, uh, Mike Sol- Sullivan is the coach. I think he's one of the best, if not the best in the game. He really prepares his team. He really made a big difference. He connected with the team, and when he came in from Wilkes-Barre, he knew that there were four or five younger guys that were ready to come in and be hungry and, and help the team. And, and, and uh, so so he was, he was a big part of that. And then, of course, the Kessel trade. Um, Kessel was, uh, was an impact player, and uh, he couldn't do it on his own. Um, he needed to get out of Toronto. He needed a change. But to come in and join the core group we had here in Sid and Gino and Tanger, uh, and uh, and Mark Andre Fleury, he was uh, that took some pressure off him, and uh, he came in and and he he helped win a lot of important hockey games for the Penguins. Certainly did. Uh, I know as a GM, you probably are in a position also where there are things that you think may happen that don't happen, or you know something you want that you can't get. How difficult is that process, and is there any regret you might have had with a trade you wanted to make but couldn't make? Well, I don't have any regrets for trades that I wanted to make uh, because it was because the other party didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And you can only work so hard on a trade and make so many offers, and you know you realize they're just not trading the player. Now, if it, if it was a case where I was trying to get a player and and made a bunch of offers, and then they end up trading them somewhere else for something less, it's that's a different story. But but when we make a decision here in Pittsburgh on getting somebody, we we go full bore after getting to get them, and and you know time, there's times where we pay over what the going market is, but at the end of the day, we're the team that ends up with the player yep. that's going to help your team. So we can all sit and say, oh, you know, it should have been a third round pick instead of a second round pick, or. You know, he, he gave too many players or too much, whatever. We still end up with the player, and that's what the ultimate goal is. And people talk about draft picks, and P- Pittsburgh doesn't have many draft picks and a lot of first-round picks gone. But, man, we had a lot of success over this six years, and because of those draft picks, we've, we now have transitioned that team into a team that's a little bit younger. You look at you look at the the defense now. Like two years ago, the defense was starting to age, and now the Penguins have Marino, uh, Patterson, Matheson, Joseph. You know some guys that are under thirty up front and Zucker that cost a first round pick, mm-hmm. Kapanen that cost a first round pick, but he's only twenty four and he's a really good player. And some of those draft picks that you. Everybody's hoping you draft. It's a good feeling on draft day, and they say, "God, oh, it's great you have them." But yeah. if you follow the the track of draft picks, especially for teams that are playoff teams, 
that are picking later in the first round, yep. you know, those are players that, that aren't going to help the Penguins in the Sidney Crosby uh, prime years to win a Stanley Cup. It's the Hometown Roofing Pop and Pony podcast powered by Bowser Chevrolet. Jim, I think, you know, the way that fantasy sports work, we can all, you know, in a very obviously different way relate to what it's like to try to make trades and uh, try to persuade people and talk people into making deals on a obviously much more micro level than what you did. But, you know, I think in Pittsburgh, we look at you as a masterful trader, a guy that was always willing to make a deal, even if it was a bold one or controversial one, as you said. I'm curious into like your trade style, how you would approach these things. You know, would you come in with an offer right away? Would you slow play things? I mean, I'm sure each one was different, but overall, how would Jim Rutherford describe the art of making a trade? Well, I always know how far I'm going to go, okay? Uh, and, and, and you may have a little wiggle room in there. I may move off of that at some some point. But for the most part, uh, you come in and say what you think a fair deal is. And it's one of the things that I've talked to guys like Billy Guerin and Jason Botterill and, and uh, Fitzy and guys like that have gone on to be GMs. When you're making a trade, you have to make it work for both teams. You know, don't don't try to make a trade that it's so lopsided that it's not fair. And that's the approach I take. When I make an offer for a player, I think it's fair. Now, the other guy uh, may not, or half the time he may think it's, it's a silly offer. And then you just keep working on it. You go round and round and round. You give the other team maybe two or three players to pick from, and then you make that the centerpiece of the deal, and then how do you fill in from there? But going back to your point about, you know, playing fantasy <laughs> hockey trades and, and, and the real trades, the big difference in that is that as a general manager, you're not only looking at what's going to take place this year, you have to project out as how that's going to affect the cap. Um Two years from now, three years from now, four years from now. Yeah. So it's quite it, it's quite a bit different when you have to really do it in the real world um, uh, compared to what I used to do and what I guess I'm going to do in the future. <laughs> play along with you, Andrew, and fantasy hockey. Is, <laughs> is, is, I think he'd be is, pretty good. Well, at I, I don't I don't want your son in my league because I feel like he'd fleece me on a few deals, Jim. <laughs> then he's got his own thoughts and, on things. And, and, you know, we'll sit there and say, you know, it would, uh, you know, we'll trade this player for this player and with, you know, with no consideration of the cap or right. how it affects the cap way down the road and all yeah. those, all those variables. But, uh, but I think it's great as where we are today that we have so much interest and we do have the fantasy hockey and all those things. I mean, it creates such great interest. And uh, and I know it's fun for people to play, so I uh, I'm not trying to poo-poo that. I'm just sure. saying there's there is a slight difference. Jamie, as a goaltender, you had one of the toughest decisions I, w- I would imagine during your tenure was Murray Flurry, Murray Flurry. That oh. that thing was one of those that I, I'm sure you wanted to have both, but economically that wasn't going to be happening. Number one, how difficult was that? And number two, are you surprised Flurry is still flourishing out in Vegas? 
Well, I watched him play the other night, and I've I've never seen him play in a, a better game in his whole career. I mean, he had a sequence of three shots in a row that were all sure goals, and he stopped them, bang, 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 in the five-second period. Um, that decision was harder personally than it was uh, career-wise or for the team. It was an obvious one for the team because mm-hmm. of, of the cap, back to what we just talked about in fantasy hockey. I mean, Murray was going to make about 3-5. Uh, Fleury was going to make around $6 million. We already got a bunch of guys making a lot of money. Um, and it it was a decision that was really dictated by the cap. Um, so, um, and, and really the same thing happened here with Jari and Murray, where Murray got to a point where he was going to hit a home run on his contract. So, but from a personal point of view, I I can't say enough about Mark Andre Fleury, and I you know he's done some things with my son at times where other players wouldn't wouldn't give anybody the time of day. One example was his first game back in here with Vegas. They got beat five one, and uh, my son was hoping to see him, and I said no. They lost the game. He had somebody go and find my son and asked to bring him down to the room wow. and uh, go and visit with him. And uh, and it wasn't just a handshake and hello. He sat and talked to him for a while. Wow. And uh, the, the, there's just so many special stories about this guy. And, you know, it would have been nice to bring him back here this year. Um, Did you try? I, Yeah, I tried as hard as I could because I thought there was that possibility with the where they were at cap wise and they had signed the other goalie longer term. And, uh, plus that whole thing where the agent put the sword through his chest, Jim, remember that (laughs) there was that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what that was all about. (laughs) That was obviously, uh, not a great relationship between the agent and and the, and the team, but, uh, those things are unfortunate, but, Anyways, Mark Andre Fleury is—he's uh, an icon in Pittsburgh, as he should be, and on his way to the Hall of Fame, and maybe on his way to winning another cup here. The way he's playing, Jim, I don't think we could—you um, know—based on just how you're still so involved, and you still, I can tell from this conversation, care so much about um, the state of the Penguins and what's going on, even you know through your absence. You know, what do you think is going on with Malkin? We're starting to see some signs of life, but, you know, just your honest and obviously expert evaluation of what do you think's going on with him as a player right now? Well, this isn't the first time he's gone through this. You know, like last year, he, he, he was really good all yep. year. But you go back to the year before that, he wasn't as good. You know, I, I shouldn't say not as good. Inconsistent is a better word to use. And he's into that again this year. But a guy like that, it's a confidence thing. And and you really don't know what, what happens to these guys um, in a season like this. It, it's so different than any other season. And uh, conditioning-wise and the short training camp and, and all those things, um, so many games one after another. If you don't have your confidence, you don't have two, three days to practice. You know, you for the most part, they have a day off. They don't even practice and they just play the next game. 
So he does he doesn't have a lot of time to get that on track. But I don't worry about him. I think uh, I, I don't think this is a point in his career where he, he's declining. I just think it's a confidence level. I think he 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 gets a few goals here and uh, and he'll get going. He's got good line mates, you know, like Rust is back playing with him now. Rust is good for him. Uh, looks like Zucker may not be around here for the next little bit, based on how mm-hmm. I saw him go off the ice. But but uh, as long as he he's got a guy like Rust or Kapanen to play with, and he sticks with it, he'll be fine. But the one thing I know about Gino, even when things aren't going good, he really cares. Sometimes it's hard for people to read him, but he really cares about winning, and really cares about the Penguins. So uh, he'll get going again this year. Speaking of, since you mentioned that, I was interested. All these guys, we get calls a lot. People want to play GM, and yeah. they always want to trade. I want to play GM. Well, I want to get paid like a GM, but that's different. <laughs> so all everyone calls Jim, and they say, okay, it's time. you got to trade a, a guy like Latang or a Malkin or whatever. Yeah. I've always viewed those guys as lifetime penguins. Well, the uh, window thing comes up. The well, window's, the window's closed. Right. Yeah. It's always a window opportunity, and I know that's a tough thing to go through as a GM, considering what those guys mean, but – Looking ahead to the future, do you envision ever? I'm, I'll take Crosby out of that, but you know the other guys. Uh, anyone else potentially could be moved, or is that uh, are they Pittsburgh lifers? Well, that's not my decision anymore. When I was a GM, I said that based on those guys, they're the core players. They won three cups here. They they should finish their careers here. But it's a big decision for the people that will have to make that decision. If they finish their careers here, you lose the opportunity of getting younger players and transitioning your team quicker. But, you know, who's going to decide when the window's closed? Personally, I think it's still there this year and and next. Mm. Um, But I don't make that decision anymore. Jim, I read an article about you. It was not really so much about you know your decisions as GM. It was more about who Jim Rutherford is when you peel back the curtain. And I loved, I read somewhere that you are a Chinese food aficionado, that you're, <laughs> you eat Chinese food for lunch a few times a week. And I saw that, and I'm like, I would love to know what the standard Jim Rutherford Chinese food order is, Bob. Does he get the same thing every time? Does he mix it up? Does he have one thing that he goes to time and time again? So that's that's really what I want to know, Jim, well, more than anything else in this interview. <laughs> well, well for, first of all, let me tell you, my wife is Chinese. Okay. So She's a it's lovely lady, easy too. for me to eat Chinese, okay? Okay. <laughs> but my, my standard uh, when I go uh, to, to the little Chinese restaurant there right by PPG yep. Arena, um, even when I was to meet with people or or uh, media people or whatnot, I'd say, you know, we're going to go to the club for lunch, and so we'd walk down the street, and that was that was my my reference to my club, that little Chinese restaurant. <laughs> okay. ba- basically, uh, wonton soup, uh, fried rice, and sweet and sour chicken. That's uh, that's wow. the go-to for me, but. I I'll tell you my uh, my mother-in-law can cook Chinese food like nobody else, and when she comes to visit, we we get the the uh, full Chinese dinner. But I've been married now to 
my wife for 16 years, and long before that, I was a big Chinese food uh, fan. Are so, you a liberal with anyways. the soy sauce, Jim? Is that something that's a big, you, you, you pour that on there generously or no? No, no soy sauce. Not See, that ruins it. Sauce. I agree with him. <laughs> Not ruins it, but yeah. it takes away no, I from know. the... Yeah, some people, yeah. No, but I, I'm surprised you said sweet and sour. I, w- I would have bet you said it was going to be guess? General Tso's chicken. No, that's my no, favorite. no, no. Okay, well. Okay. Now you can... You, Whenever we need advice, I know who to call when it comes to Chinese food, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> hey, Jim. Jim, uh, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Thank you so it. much for being honest with us and opening up a little bit. Yeah, well, good to be with you guys. You, you going to hang out care. in Pittsburgh a little bit more, Jim, or what's the plan? Yeah, yeah, we, uh, well, get my son back to school. You know, he's been homeschooling, yep. so we'll get him back into school here. So certainly until June, just take some time here in the next month or two to try to decide uh, what uh, what's best for the family and what I really want to do going forward. Well, I'm looking forward to a rematch in golf, and um, I would also look forward to an increased amount of strokes you may give me, even if you do play the advanced tees, which I don't <laughs> think you will. But, Jim, it's always a pleasure. Thanks, Jim. You're yeah. going to be Thanks great at whatever's time, next, man. Appreciate it. Okay. Thanks a lot, guys. Yep. You've been listening to the Hometown Roofing Pomp and Pony Podcast. Hometown Roofing, put your trust in us. And powered by Bowser Chevrolet. Join us each week for another Hometown Roofing Pomp and Pony Podcast.